So often when we think we're buried, we've actually been planted. But you have to stay with it long enough that you're watering the seeds, giving them time to grow, uh, and then bearing the fruits. You don't expect something to grow instantly when you plant it in the ground. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of radicallyloved.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. I have been waiting for months for this product to come out and it's finally here, the Four Sigmatic Mushroom Focus Shot. Four Sigmatic has always believed in seeking energy through nutrient-dense foods, sleep hygiene, movement, and hydration. So when they came up with this product as an alternative to all those gnarly energy drinks that are out there, I was so excited. This is the first ready-to-drink product that promotes focus and energy without all the gnarly ingredients. You can sip half of the bottle of Lion's Mane and Guayusa with a powerful pineapple taste from only real ingredients. No artificial sweeteners or flavors are allowed. I can drink half of the bottle in the morning and then half in the afternoon, and it doesn't make me feel weird and jittery in the afternoon. Go to foursigmatic.com and use the promo code radicallyloved, that's R-A-D-I-C-A-L-L-Y-L-O-V-E-D, to get a special discount on all the Four Sigmatic products. Back to our show. Hey listeners, we need your support. Help us by subscribing and rating to this podcast. Send us a snapshot of your review or comment and we will send you a very special Radically Loved gift. Send your comment to info at radicallyloved.com. You can also click on the show notes here on this podcast for more information. If you want to be part of our community, please click the link to our private Facebook group, on the show notes of this particular podcast so you can be the first to hear of upcoming trainings, retreats, and special Radically Loved events. Thanks so much for listening. Andrea Markham is not only an incredible yoga teacher, but she's also an incredible yogi. She's known for weaving accessible yogic philosophy into poses and loves leading the most unassuming newbies to yoga and mindfulness and works with everyone from athletes to executives. Her latest book, Close to Ohm, Stretching Yoga from Your Mat to Your Life, is out now and it was one of my favorite reads. We are not only in the same yoga community, but we are on the same path to creating more love and light to all the people around us and she is not only a fan and supporter of this show 
but she is just an overall incredible human being and I was really excited to not only chat with her but to really just get an insight into her own philosophy and how she uses these modalities into her daily life and the importance of ritual. I'm so excited to share this conversation with all of you. Here is Andrea Markham. We've been trying to make this happen for a little while, right? Yeah. Um, how long? A couple like a months. Few, I, few, I think a few months. Actually. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, Andrea Markham yeah. is here uh, on my couch. We're having some coconut oolong tea. She's so delicious. <laughs> My reputation stands, you guys, mm -hmm. just FYI. It just got elevated. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we're here today to talk about a couple of different things, and I'm really excited to have you on. First of all, this is the first time we've met in person. Yeah. Um, I did read your book, Close to Ohm, which I'm excited to also talk about. Excellent. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm happy to have you here and to talk about all of the things, uh, ritual and bringing practice into your daily life and why it's important. I'm glad. I'm so glad to be here. Yay. So tell me about, uh, you know, a little bit about how you've been able to get to the place where you are now as, as a teacher and as a yogi and what that process has been like for you and how you've been able to stay consistent with your practice. Um, well, I stumbled into a yoga class 20 some odd years ago at Crunch Gym. And at that point, I was an avid... Like, just there wasn't enough cardio in the world to satiate me, you know? So I stumbled in, and I was pretty annoyed. Like, I, I remember hearing your first yoga um, experience, experience yeah. and you walked in, and you felt like it was home. Yeah. And I was quite the opposite. Like, I was pretty <laughs> sure I wanted to run the other way. And I was nauseated in my first down dog, and the teacher kept telling me not to bite my lip, which wasn't even something I realized that I did. Um, but was so significant because it, it sort of signified everything else I was biting into that wasn't Ooh. serving me. Um, so I had this moment at the end where I thought, I'm either never doing this again or I must come back tomorrow because it really, it was immediately confrontational. Mm. And I went back the next day and um, I came from a, a background of being a gymnast. So I had been a competitive gymnast. Mm -hmm. All things athletic were kind of what resonated with me. And, um, and even in that first class, you know, the, the somatic mm -hmm. reaction was what got my attention. Yeah. Um, but over time, it became this unexpected organizing system for my life. Mm -hmm. And that confrontation was... Um, you know, uncomfortable and it continues to be, but it is that discomfort yeah. that is the richness of this practice. And, you know, life is uncomfortable. So the organizing system and the tools that it delivers are how do I, you know, tease this out, get out of the, the like sort of spin. stuck in a, yeah. in a spin cycle and start to see it for what it is and then create space around it to actually then make progress. Yeah, I love that you're speaking to the confrontational aspect of yoga because I think for a lot of people that uh, find this practice to be resonating initially, I mean, for some people, they really enjoy the confrontation right away, right? They want to go into the deep dive. But I think for most people that I've come into contact with and even some of my students, the confrontational aspect doesn't come until later, mm. right? It's like it's a thing that happens over time because they're maybe more focused on just the physical aspect of yoga as 
something that is said to make you feel good. Right. Right? Yeah. So for you, the confrontational aspect, how are you able to discern that and, and what kind of things was it bringing up for you? Um, well, there was a lot of nothing's ever enough going on in my life, like big time. And just even having to sit as still as it was in a first child's pose was, was pretty big. Yeah. Shavasana, you know, that can be a giant confrontation for all of us, myself included. The whole element of simply being with myself was radical um, and is radical mm. and is, um, I think, where the radical love comes from, right? Is yeah. learning how to sit with ourselves literally in a pose and then learning how to be with ourselves in a genuine way so we can be with each other and be good with each other. Um, and that's the, the union that's yoga. Yeah. But, you know, at first, like you said, it is this sort of like, why do I feel nauseated in a, in a down dog? Or why is this um, pose so hard for me to hang out in? Right. Um, but then you just, you start, it's like the layers of an onion that you start to peel away. Yeah, yeah. Um, just... Just so you guys know, I don't know if you guys can hear that we have some like major life metaphors happening right now. There is, we, we have gardeners yeah. and we have some major tree cutting right across the street from our house. So um, yeah, we're going to try and just uh, incorporate that into this conversation. So I hope you In guys In a moment, can... I'm going to blow dry my hair as well. Right. So yeah. <laughs> so really, I love, so I, I text messaged Andrea earlier about what was happening and she goes, oh, we can, we can definitely incorporate this in, but I think it's so, it's apropos, right? To what totally. we're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's that creating space, even though life swirls around you and it just does, right? It's not going to stop. Well, what is this thing that we have this belief system that we think that there's the, the one panacea that's going to create peace in everything. And, and unless we find that we'll never be happy. Do you think that that's true? Um, I, I don't, I mean, I, I think it's a lofty idea, I actually think that it is within that discomfort that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And, and um, in my book, I mention uh, what's in the way is the way, which is actually a Marcus Aurelius yeah, quote. But I love that. Me too. Um, and in yoga philosophy, it's Pradipaksha Bhavanam. Mm -hmm. But things that, uh, that feel like pushback or a negative, things that are a challenge, are um, actually the nugget of gold. They are where the most opportunity lives. And, you know, you bump up against that all the time in asana and on your mat. And then you realize, wait a minute, this is just a metaphor for what I'm bumping up against all the time after I've rolled up my mat and I'm out in the world. Um, and in the book, I, I talk about, you know, because we tend to be very reactive. C certainly, I was in my first class, and it's not like I've <laughs> solved that. I still have that, <laughs> like to leaf blowers. And what? no, no, no. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, it's that, it's that knee jerk of, I like this. I don't like this. I'm good at this. I'm not good at this. Yeah. I've succeeded. I'm failing. And actually the yoga is this great neutralizer where we actually arrive in a laboratory on our mat and off. And it just becomes this learning space. It's a, it's a curiosity, uh, ritual and, I think those are the muscles that we want to stretch and strengthen the most. It's just to stay curious and learn and not get caught up in this, 
I'm good at this, I'm bad at this, and the reaction of black and white, because it's really, most of life is existing in this gray zone, mm-hmm. the gray area. Yeah, you know? I love that, because I feel like the more that we can uh, integrate that into our daily life, it, things can become way more sustainable, as opposed to thinking, I need to fix something, or this is wrong with me, how do I eradicate this, or you know, that feeling of not feeling like we're enough or like something's wrong with us and so on. Um, so I, I do want to talk about your book. And, and in fact, there's a couple of questions I want to ask you okay. pertaining to it. Um, the first one is you, you've been teaching for a long time. What led you to create this? Like, why did you decide now to, to write this particular book close yeah. to home? I've been teaching for almost 20 years. So, you know, obviously after that first crunch episode. (laughs) You've come a long way. I've come a long (laughs) way, indeed. Um, But it did, you know, part of the confrontation was like, wow, this is is life-changing. This is actually making me take a look at things in a whole new aperture. Mm -hmm. And because of that, and because I could feel that, and it's ongoing, you know, it, it... it enters you into this realm of laboratory, and then you just want to keep tinkering, you know. And because it was um, bringing forth so much in my own life, I wanted to share it with other people. I wanted to be able to figure out how to bring other people on with me, um, and and not because I thought I was righteous or I had all the answers, but because I think we're all in it together, and and that's really what the the practice is. Is it's ongoing. Um, it isn't one panacea where you then, you know, have arrived. It's, it's heavy lifting. Yeah. Even things like gratitude and, you know, those sorts of things can sound really fluffy and like, they're just going to float through your, your feed and you're just going to float through life. But to really practice that is heavy lifting on an ongoing basis, you know? And, um, and I think that it's also not an isolated thing. It's something that we want to commune around, which is part of the ritual, which is, yes, it's an individual practice, and we want our own accountability, but we really want to keep inviting each other in mm-hmm. because that's where the real, um, the real community comes yeah. and, and the real benefit comes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I love that you said, um, she just said gratitude in air quotes because it's like <laughs> this is one thing that I find myself struggling with um, in, in the realm of, the just shifting your perspective or your attitude right because it's a romantical idea to just say oh let's just I'm just going to practice gratitude but the hard part is actually in the doing yeah right it's like actually putting things into practice and doing things on a daily that's going to help create that shift in your life you Mm -hmm. know Um, and it's more than just I'm going to post this inspirational quote today because I really need to like feel it it's like okay yeah that's great but how are you going to incorporate it into your life? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is the lesson that you've learned from it? I'm a big student, right? So it's like I'm all about learning. I love being, I will be forever a student and I want to continue to learn and learn as much as I can. Yeah. Um, Me too. Right? And so, so this, is, this was my, my next question for mm-hmm. you is in your, in your yogic path or in your process, not even just as a yogi, but just as a, a woman and a woman that's, that's, mission is to bring love and light and integrating these yogic philosophies into your students' lives, what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned in on your path to um, spirituality? Um, 
I, I think that it is ongoing uh, and that you have to keep going. I mean, I, I, I went from the, the crunch class to like getting, a, get, getting certified, which back in the day was not, there wasn't these sort of 200 and 500 right. hour thing. Um, but I started teaching pretty right away and I'd been a manager at a restaurant and I, I remember I um, subbed out my shifts and at a certain point, months later, they were like, you don't have a job here anymore. What are you talking about? Like, I, it was just something where I got private clients and I started teaching and it just was the right time for me. Like, it right. was just the right fit for me. And um, I taught at a little studio for a little while and then needed to leave there really quickly. And I had the opportunity to either, like, go to Yoga Works or start my own thing. And I was not interested in being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I went kicking and screaming into this my own business, which I'm so glad that I did because it was sort of a, the next level of me using my yoga to stay present, to invite community, because I didn't know a lot of the things. I didn't go to business school, so mm. I had to ask for help. I had to invite the community into the project of actually building our nest, and I called it U Studio for the unity and community that built it, and we really did. And we were on the fifth floor of an Art Deco building in Wilshire, in the Wiltshire district that had no signage. So you had to really want to be there. You had to want to find us. Yeah. Um, and it, it made me realize that community was the bomb for me. Like that mm. is my thing. I love it. Yeah. Every single person that crossed that threshold, you're so grateful for them. Yeah. Um, and, and that we all then have each other and see each other through these things that we do. And yoga, yoga asana is part of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that was, that was a huge... A huge thing for me and then I started getting called out into the world to teach and I love traveling and I've led mm -hmm. retreats for the last 20 years too and I do feel that to be stretching you know like using your mat as a magic carpet to go and see the world and at that point I realized that um, it, I didn't have to pay for brick and mortar which was increasingly difficult in an oversaturated marketplace here in Los Angeles uh, to create community the community is what happens within the walls and you can blow the walls off the studio uh, you know, it's great to have brick and mortar. I'm so grateful to have had that for nine years. I was around for nine years. Yeah. Um, and then it just came time for me to let it be more expansive. And the book was a part of that. Um, the book was a struggle. It took me 10 years to get it published. I was writing articles. Uh, somebody said, you should write a book. I went out with an agent. Everybody turned me down. I mean, like everybody. And I gave up. And... Uh, year or so later, I was on the beach in Mexico leading a retreat, and one of my students asked me what my passion was, and I said, well, you know, it's my book, but I've given up on that. And another student on the beach on our retreat said, you should meet my sister-in-law. She's an agent in New York. And I happened to be going to New York the next week for Lululemon, and I met with Jane, the sister-in-law agent, and for two years, we worked on the proposal. Not the book, mind you, just the pitch. I woke up at four o'clock in the morning every morning, I wrote it, I would think it was pretty good. I would turn it into Jane and she would rip it down to its studs and we would start all over again. Just like every time you unroll your mat, you're starting all over, you're beginning again. Yeah. Uh, and we got to a place, uh, you know, two years in where um, I was getting out of my studio. I thought I was getting out of my lease, but I actually had two more years on my lease. So I went $30,000 in debt getting out of my lease. 
Uh, I'm a yoga teacher, so thirty thousand dollars is more like three hundred thousand dollars <laughs> with my could be three right, mi three million dollars. Yeah, might as well. absolutely. Yeah. And um, and so I was thirty thousand dollars in debt, and sixteen years into my teaching career, I was. Um, beginning at Yoga Works as a sub, so I was standing in front of people who were like, "Where's Vinnie Marino?" You know, and um, which I've is great. I've subbed that class before, by the way. Yeah, right? it sucks. It's it's tough, but it's great. <laughs> I think it's so important to be humbled all along. Yeah, the way. of course. And in the meantime, you know, here I am waking up at four in the morning, and I can feel my fa my family and my friends like uncomfortable talking about like, "Oh, Andy, what are you thinking with this book?" Mm -hmm. Including my brother, who's like a pretty well known. Uh, screenwriter just sort of had given up and they didn't want to see me hurt anymore mm -hmm. right so uh, and then we we reached this point where Jane decided it was time to go to publishers and really big publishers were interested but you don't know that when you're slogging away $30,000 in debt subbing for Vinnie Marino uh, with you know no guarantee that anybody's gonna care that you yeah. spent all this time on it uh, and then I, I, I signed my deal and um, and the book was was relatively easy to write after all that rigorous. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, but but to, it, it all goes to say, and I say this in the book quite often, that so often when we think we're buried, we've actually been planted. But you have to stay with it long enough that you're watering the seeds, giving them time to grow, uh, and then bearing the fruits. You don't expect something to grow instantly when you plant it in the ground. And sometimes I think we do have that expectation, and especially in this day and age, that things need to be happening fast. But we actually want them to happen, to, we wanna do them well. We wanna take the time to do them well, I think. Yeah, I, that's, as Oprah would say, a tweetable moment. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I agree with you 100%. You know, I, I definitely, of course, we all are in this new age of instant gratification and we mm -hmm. want things to happen fast and we, we just, we want to see our, the result, right? We don't, we don't think about the long-term, you know, um, journey to getting there, the fall, the, the falling, the things that haven't worked, the times we go to bed thinking nothing's going to work out or nobody's returning your calls or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. all those things. Like we don't see that. We see this beautiful, uh, you know, collection of, of practices and philosophy and, and postures and, you know, all we just see the finished product. Yeah. Right. So I, I love when, especially when I have authors on the podcast talking about that, because I find it for me, and for the listeners, they, they really need to hear that part of it because things don't just, it's not, it's not it's just not like that. Your hands have to get dirty. You dig around in the dirt for a long time and it's, you know, it's not with the perfect lighting. It's not the glossy filtered anything. It's, it's you mucking around in it and, and in the work itself, you know, it's not easy to yeah. write, you know, that's, it's, it's really tough stuff. And it doesn't always come. Just like, you know, some days you go and you do your poses on your mat and they feel pretty great. And other days you're just like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it's the same thing with writing. You just you have to show up and you just find out what, what shows up then and, and you're consistent with it. And, you know, I'm so grateful that I, I didn't get published the first time around mm. because it became a much better book. Yeah. I became a better writer, you know, thanks to my agent. It was really like two years of, of boot camp and yeah. writing boot camp. Yeah. Uh, and my, my agent, Jane, said something to me um, 
early on in the in the process of writing it, uh, because there it's a narrative, and then it takes you from the story that is you know a story from my life to on your mat. So you know where it is that you take these stories and these these tenants into your practice on your mat, and then on your own, which is how you take them into your life. So each chapter progresses that way. And she said to me, uh, Andy, this is not a book about you. And it was like. I said, oh, you just became my guru. I mean, like, the, if you look at things in your life through that, it's the most amazing mantra ever because wow. it, it takes the onus off of you for sure. But it's also, yes, the stories are about me, but they're really about all of us. And that's what we want to bring forth as teachers, as authors, as human beings. It's really not a narcissistic um, journey. It's, it's one where we're honest about our own stuff, but we're honest in a way that invites you to be honest because we, we're the same. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I love that. And I feel like the books that have resonated with me the most are the ones that are written in that light that are written in, in a way for me to feel like I'm going through this journey with you. And I, I understand the, the logic behind these three different processes, you know, and, um, so thank you for doing that. That's really great. I think that uh, for the people listening, when they pick up this book, they'll they'll get the same thing out of that. Um, so I I also feel like you said something that I, I want to go back to a little bit. This idea of us creating a filtered existence, right? Especially now, as I said. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think we're we're doing that at this? at this stage in, in our culture? Probably because we can. I mean, I think we've always wanted that a little bit. I mean, mm. I don't think we've ever not been somewhat appearance-driven. Mm. But I, I think now we have these, um, these ways to manipulate that we didn't and this immediacy that we didn't. Um, uh, but I, I think that in terms of the popularity contest that that can sometimes... Um, contribute to. I, I, I think that's always been uh, around. I think it's just so um, accessible and in your face now that it feels different, that you can mm. actually create a career around um, being an influencer. Like, you know, that wasn't, you know, where did that come from? Yeah. But it's at there now, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's a new you know, you're, you could also now be an Uber driver and your house can be an Airbnb. So, right. I mean, like we live in a, a different time, right? Yeah. Um, the, so those accessibilities are, I think, change yeah. the, the way in which it maybe is presented or feels. Yeah. But I, I, think, I think people have been chasing stardom or whatever that is, popularity. Popularity, yeah. Um, you know, all, for, for a long time. For a long time. Yeah. I think it also, uh, just to add to that or or I'd like to get your insight on Mm -hmm. um, where you think our yoga community is going you know you've seen it you've been in it for 20 years Mm -hmm. Um, you've seen how it's changed now over time Um, where do you see it going for the next 20 years it's a great question and and I think it, it will probably go a number of different directions um because yoga means so many different things to so many different people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, for some people, it is asana. And for some people, not only is it asana, it's like exotic abilities within asana that mm-hmm. are then very photogenic 
So there's that. Right. And that's fine. That's great. You know, um, and, and then there's also what yoga brings as the organizing system that I talked about that really is what's interesting to me and what, what lights me up, um, that, that deeper dive. And, I, and I, I don't mean to say that and sound righteous. I just mean like it's, it's actually the heavy lifting we were talking about. Yeah. And, and it's not that it's easy to do those other things, but the layered approach, the, the things that give you, to, at least to my mind, a ritual that you can perform in your life that might partly take place on your mat, but is likely to, to not most of the time. Um, yeah. There's rituals within my book that I mention. There is a program that I do in various like day-long and weekend retreats that is kind of a, um, a curation of what's in my book that's very specific to a ritual that I do every day that is... Um, I think it's it's nice to access the book of you can read it linearly if you want to, but then go back to the things within it as a resource. Mm -hmm. And the the real like sort of skeletal ritual structure that I have is really five points in in the morning and then the evening that you will be able to be um, to, to sustain because otherwise yeah. like n none of us will well, if it's too ever. elaborate or complicated yeah. or time consuming, right? Yeah. So. Well, so talk to us about the importance of having ritual and maybe give the listeners a couple of things that they can do sure. to begin to incorporate that. Sure. Well, one thing that, like when I first stumbled into that crunch class, uh, and for years and years, I thought I was meditating because I was doing yoga. And I do think that yoga is a movement meditation, but I've since found the significance of a seated practice. Uh, and when I'm on the road, which is pretty often, my asana might fall away a little bit, but my meditation practice is consistent. And I, I, I do 20 minutes every morning. I'm not like, you know, hours and hours, but if I do 20 minutes every morning, that, you know, that, that does it for me. And I journal for 10 minutes. Uh, sometimes I want to journal longer, but I just try to be s consistent with those things. And I think the overriding thing that I would say as a ritual is to make sure that there's something um, in the morning that allows you to play, pay close attention. Maybe it's a walk, maybe it's your meditation, maybe it's journaling, um, or some combination of the three. But where you really tune in and pay close attention to yourself so there's a foundation that you can reach out for, from, and that throughout the day, at some point, consistently every day, you decide to give someone your attention. Um, I suggest that that be a five minute give someone your attention where you're really present. You're not scrolling through anything. Your mind's not elsewhere. You give someone your attention because you've given yourself your attention. So you've got um, your cup full so it can runneth over. And it's extraordinary what you can learn when you give someone your attention because they come at you with different stories and ideas and input um, that can help you uh, get away from what I call in the book the, where you're stuck at. Um, so letting, letting that insight in, even just for five minutes every day, um, is, is pretty extraordinary. And, and a ritual that will add richness to your day every day. It just will. Wow. Uber drivers and Lyft drivers, amazing people to give your attention to. <laughs> Such an extraordinary story. So true. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's my big thing, and, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, um, 
anytime because I travel a lot as well yeah. so anytime I get into an uber or lyft no preferences here guys uh anytime I get into either or I have this rule that I'm not on my phone like I interact with them I ask and if they maybe don't want to interact which honestly I've found few and far between most of the time people want to talk or have a conversation I, you know, I put my phone away and I'm just having a conversation, asking them what they're excited about or what's new or what they have coming up, any mm -hmm. of those things. And it's just really nice to be able to connect to other humans. And I think in general, like as teachers, you know, we might not have the opportunity to connect one-on-one -on -one with our students. If you're teaching a class or you're leading a retreat or doing something because you're holding space, right? So for me, I always find it really, um, important to be able to do that one-on-one -on -one connection i'm i'm introverted which is you know some people are like they find it hard to believe but i'm definitely an introvert and mm -hmm. so i find that i get that that cuppeth runneth over feeling when i am with one-on-one -on -one, just with one person mm -hmm. and i'm i'm having a deep conversation it's me and my uber lyft driver yeah, it's yeah. like me and one of my students you know so but you know you ask me what i what i see as the future of the yoga community yeah. and i hope that uh, and i do think that the two can coexist you know it's not wrong to put up images and have things be visual but my hope is that we keep coming back to the impact of one-on-one, -on -one. Mm -hmm. you know, th th there are many teachers in our lineages that believed it should be one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and if it isn't one-on-one, -on -one, that it is at least in real life. Yes. And again, like, I, there's nothing wrong with digital. I have people who practice with me on the Udaya and Gaia platforms that I'm on that I then get to meet out in the world. And it's extraordinary. I mean, that is, that's mind-boggling. Yeah. And it's like we know each other already because we've had this experience together. So those things are terrific, but I do... I think that um, this richness of, of really truly connecting in person needs to not get lost mm -hmm. and that we can be instrumental and need to be instrumental in that connecting within ourselves, mm -hmm. connecting to each other, connecting to, you know, our planet needs us to, to not preach about connecting, but to actually be leaders by example of connecting to what's important in, worldwide, yeah. you know, uh, and what brings us together. Celebrating our differences, but also finding that commonality. Um, because I think it's important that we celebrate what's different about us too, not homogenize that, yeah. um, but, but really exp explore and, and, and applaud that. You lead a lot of retreats, I do too. That's something that I really bring into the retreat is we're you know, here to, to see this culture and to learn about this culture. Uh, and to see the ways in which we're, we're the same, but also to really be, get excited about what's different. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's great. What is your favorite uh, piece of yogic philosophy to teach? Uh, I think and gosh, then I'll, it's such I'll, a big and, one. I know, and then I'll tell you my favorite that you wrote about that I really liked. Okay. Um, well, I think it's probably, I mean, it's many things, but Santosha kind of encompasses it, mm -hmm. is this idea of a deep-seated sense of contentment, which, which really addresses the nothing's ever enough, or I'm not enough, or mm -hmm. um, really making peace on a profound level, but, but peace um, that 
doesn't limit also knowing that there's room for growth and expansion. So the, the, the curiosity remaining in that equation, um, and curiosity doesn't mean that you're finding fault. So Santosha is really this sort of, maybe the, the, the existence of the heavy lifting of gratitude, um, but also like taking on the challenges and staying in the laboratory. Um, I, I think maybe that aspect of it. Yeah, I like that. I mean, obviously, it's like we can love all of the yogic philosophy out there, but I was just curious as to which one. Yeah. Because I feel like all the, the teachers that I know or the friends of mine, like, we always have that one thing that we revert back to that it's just the underlying tone of what we like to speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like our mission. It yeah, our mission. I, and, and my favorite was it was Pratipaksha Bhavana. You know, you talk about this. Yeah. And so tell the listeners what Pratipaksha Bhavana means and how you um, utilized it in the book. Yeah, um, that's what I call what's in the way is the way. And it's really finding the obstacle um, as the opportunity. It's turning a seeming negative into a positive, into an opportunity. Uh, it is the work of the laboratory. Um, it's the work of getting your book published. <laughs> it's the work of, of you know, all, so, yeah, right? So many, so many things. Yeah. Um, because there are going to be challenges, but those challenges are opportunities to become better at what we are and who we are um, as individuals, as communities, uh, as a planet, you know, I think it's, it's a, it's a really important one, you know, and that we all need to be in it together. So yeah. the warts and all thing, you know, like yeah. the, the, not just the beautiful glossy yeah. filtered, the, you know, like, yeah, me too. You know, the it's gnarly thing, the gnarly thing. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of questions that I like to ask all of my guests. And okay. so I'm going to go into the array of them. Okay. Um, the first one is if you can give if you can go back in time and give advice to your 15-year-old self what would you say to her? Oof. Gosh, she was so many things. Um, you're still going to be headstrong, but you're going to be a, a little bit easier to be around oh. pretty soon. <laughs> Well, and yoga's going to have a lot to do with that. <laughs> that's great. Um, what will your 95-year-old self tell you now? Uh, it's okay to miss a day uh, on your mat sometimes, you know? <laughs> and and the mat can be in a literal mat or not but yeah. it's actually okay if you skip a day sometimes yeah okay yeah. I like that that's good what is what does freedom mean freedom means unabashed curiosity um, it it means the ability to just not really care so much about what other people think and follow something that's a little bit um, a little bit more genuine to yourself. Mm. So, you know, yeah, I love that. Not living in the confines of, of uh, appearance or what other people think. 
Yeah, I like that. I always love to hear people's responses, and I say this all the time, but it's just a, it's a nice perspective. You know, I like to just hear because I feel like there's always that undertone that we it's the tapestry that we're all weaving together. There's always that commonality, that feeling of, oh, expansion or living beyond limitation or expanding beyond the confines type of thing. Yeah. So that's yeah. really cool. Um, so I created this podcast as a way for uh, me to talk to really awesome people. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I've loved all the people and, you talked oh, to. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm um, sort of obsessed with listening to your podcast. It, yay. That's yeah. exciting. Well, now you're going to be on there, yeah. so you get to listen to yourself. Uh, um, <laughs> so I, and the idea was to create a space where people could come to, um, to get inspired or to feel um, community or to not feel like they're alone. And it's the idea that we're all radically loved and we're all radically supported. Right. So the universe works for us and not against us. Mm -hmm. And so um, coming up to the final two questions for you is the first one is how do you feel radically loved and what do you radically love? I feel radically loved because I get to do this thing and call it my living. I mean, it's absurd, really. You know, I pinch myself on a daily basis. Um, and yes, I teach asana, but but that's not really what I, I mean I, I do but to create community on a regular basis in various situations um, and be amidst these extraordinary people who um, want to come together and do this with each other is um, it, it, that's radical love that's mm -hmm. radical love every every time I walk into that situation and feel that love it, it's mind-boggling you know and this is 20 years later you know, it never gets old. Never. Um, and I radically love that. I mean, it's a reciprocal thing. It's, it's, uh, it's learning from our students. I mean, my goodness, they're such amazing teachers. Learning from other teachers is extraordinary. Learning from life. Um, learning from travels. And having the opportunity to... to um, to do all those things. That is what I radically love. I, I, I really, really genuinely do. I love that. <laughs> I'm just like in awe right now. I just, again, that to me is so um, inspiring and humbling and thank you. And I, I'm deeply, deeply humbled and grateful to be in a community with amazing teachers like yourself so back at you i uh, i'm really happy about that um okay so for the people listening uh andrew and i will continue to have our love fest once we conclude this <laughs> <laughs> but uh for the people listening where can they go to get more information about you and uh retreats or trainings or anything that you're you're yeah. doing um you can go to andreamarkham.com m-a-r-c-u-m and you'll find out about retreats there. I'm um, involved in the Yoga Works teacher training program, both at the 200 and 300 hour, starting in January of 2019. Uh, there's a 200 hour that I'm a part of, and then there's a 300 hour mentoring. You can get my book on Amazon, uh, 
You can listen to the audiobook. I actually read the audiobook. That was quite an experience. <laughs> Seven and a half hours of oh reading was the like the longest meditation I've ever done. It was really kind of great. Yeah. So if you're an audiobook person, I got gotcha. you. I got you covered. Cool. Audible.com. In fact, you can get the book for free if you join Audible. Um, and download it and listen to it if you, as you're driving or running or whatever you do. Oh, awesome. And uh, retreats are also on my website. I do something called Company, and the Ohm and Company is um, pronounced, and it's an integration of my book stuff for off-sites for businesses and um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's all there. Wow. Okay, so for those of you listening, if you're on your device, if you hit the info button, or if you go to the details and check out the show notes, the links to all of those things that um, Andrea just mentioned will be on there. Um, we'll also add a link to Audible. So if you want to listen to the audiobook, you sign up for Audible, you get it for free. And that is, that is going to do it. I want to take a moment to just say thank you again thank for you. coming over to my house and spending some time with me and for sharing your wisdom and your gifts and for being such a heart-centered loving yogini in the world thank you thank for you. being awesome no, no we'll continue our love set fest yeah now. we're gonna continue our love fest guys <laughs> thank you for listening so much hey everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode i am so excited to continue to do this please share this with your friends email us message us on instagram at rosie acosta or on twitter at rosie acosta subscribe on itunes write a review we love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening. Is there something missing in your life? Is there something that you want to do in the world to create an impact but feel that it's overwhelming? So many of us walk through life feeling unsatisfied, overwhelmed, tired, and desperate for a deeper connection, but don't quite know how to achieve the things that we want in life. Join us this spring at the Dunsky Castle in Scotland for seven days of yoga, meditation, and yoga nidra, all focusing on finding your life's purpose. During our time together, we will learn how and when to take action, how to lead from our heart and not our head, how to break up with our inner critic for good, and dive deep into learning about desire and discipline and how this creates a purposeful life. For more information, go to radicallyloved.com or you can message us at info at radicallyloved.com, subject Scotland. We'll see you soon.